church. How are you? Happy New Year. Is everybody feeling alive and well this new year? Ready to start a brand new, fresh year? Do you know that today is January 7th, 2024, which means we're only four weeks away from celebrating this church's anniversary? So, fellas, listen, this is like a, this is like a marriage, okay? If it feels like it's flown by, it's been great. If it's taken too long, ooh, we're in trouble, okay? Hopefully it's flown by for you, uh, sort of like my marriage, you know, it's been great. It's been so fast. I, it's just time flies. Um, but no, we're, we're excited to be celebrating our new year here with you guys and, and just super pumped to, the, to this idea that we're going to be celebrating an entire anniversary for our church. Listen, it doesn't feel like it's been 11 months for me. Okay, so that means I must be having some sort of fun doing it. So um, I'm just super thankful and excited. And as we launch this new year, we know that our expectations are high, not only for the church, but for our lives as well. So today we're going to get things started right off the bat. Are you ready? All right. All right. Um, so speaking of, you know, these high expectations for ourselves in the start of a new year, we tend to start the new year with new goals new things that we want to accomplish, you know. I was looking at my social media thread, and you see everyone was running outside, okay. They're taking pictures of their feet, you know, and, and on some sidewalk somewhere. And, I mean, we make these extreme adjustments in order to become the best version of ourselves yet. I mean, I tell myself, I'm going to turn 40 this year. So I, I want to make sure that we, you know, that, man, I do what I can to, to, to make sure that whatever strength I have inside of me, I hold on to it, you know. Um, you know, some of us plan to lose weight, pray a little bit more. We try to read the Bible in a year um, and even make other adjustments personally. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those persons that I, I try to stay away from the gym in the month of January. You know why. Because it's, it's crazy in there. You can't even work out. You know, people are trying to get their workouts in and stuff. And, and you know, I walk in and, and, and it's just too much. But I really love the idea of new starts. I really like this idea of, of, of leaving everything old behind and somewhat, in one way or another, get a fresh start to my life. I know that's not necessarily what's taking place when January 1st hits, right? But in a way, in one way or another, it is one of those concepts that is very common everywhere, okay? When you're playing a video game, having an additional life goes a long way. Exactly. You could be a little bit more aggressive. When I started to play golf, one of the first things I was introduced to was the mulligan. When that guy looked at me and said, hey, man, you paid your money. You do whatever you want. I was like, okay, it feels a little dirty, but I'm going to do it. Okay, but hey, you take an extra one off the first tee or, hey, we get one in the front and one in the back. And you, you use it as you want. And, you know, there's all these rules. But something about a fresh start, something about being able to do something over gives us this ability to feel good about ourselves. It's funny because our faith tends to operate through this criteria 24-7. Some of us don't tend to experience this part of our faith, and we don't take advantage of it like we could 
But the start of a new year, we get to somewhat give it another shot. It is uplifting and refreshing when we can look at our lives with this sort of clean slate mentality. But when we realize this, we can look at our lives and say, as Christians, this is something that's available to us 24-7 anyway. Throughout the entire year, it is an experience we can have, even though it may not feel like it. The cleansing blood of Jesus Christ is not one that comes and goes, but one that remains. It also goes way further and covers way more in our lives than we give it credit for. In other, in other words, whether you uh, started the year or are midway through the year or the year's ending, as believers of Jesus Christ, we have access to an unlimited supply of grace, forgiveness, and peace. Amen? So our hope shouldn't really rely on the start of a new year as much as it should rely on our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. But we reject that. And we allow a new year to dictate what we started, what we finish, and how we operate. The truth of the matter is, in reality, January 1st is a, it's a new calendar year for a lot of us. Businesses close their books and start them over. And, and, and in essence, all of our calendars started. We got to get rid of those old calendars, pull up the new ones, put our, wear our Christmas decorations. Which I'm really looking forward to. I mean, I don't, no, I'm just kidding. But we get the opportunity to look at this new year and say, okay, what's going to be different about me? What am I going to change? How are we going to adjust as a family? What's going to be new? What, what ways am I going to start things off? And, you know, you might have, you're probably right on the spot this year so far with the first seven days of the year. Um, you know, I, I looked at, a, at somebody earlier and I said, is your year going like that judge who got jumped by that criminal over the counter, if you saw, or is it going pretty steady so far? If you haven't seen the video, it's just crazy stuff. Probably shouldn't be laughing. Let's be real here, okay? But you might have made some adjustments and, and adjusted your focus, whether it's for you personally, for your family as a whole, uh, for your work life, your relationship with God, the community around you. But the truth is that so far in 2024, we can say that practically we got a clean slate. If we were to take in consideration the first seven days of the year, there are many things you haven't been able to accomplish yet. Maybe some sin that you have stayed away from so far, a behavior that you haven't entered into just yet, maybe a practice that you've been able to keep up with so far. And as we begin this new year, I want us to take the vision of our lives and of us as a church and make sure that what we're doing in 2024 is clearer than anything we have ever done before. That the adjustments that we make for us personally as individuals and as a church may be the brightest adjustments we could have ever done. You know one of the worst mistakes I made one year, personally for me, is that I said this year I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Okay? Listen, guys. It was so unproductive to me. I did it. But I didn't learn much from it. I felt like I was running a race. Okay? So some of the adjustments we make may sound great, but in essence, what I caught myself doing is reading through verses as fast as I could because time was ticking, okay? It's the same 
concept with the GPS, right? You put the time in and it says, you're going to get there at 3. No, I'm not. I'm going to get at 2.45. So it was, it, it was the same concept, reading the Bible in a year for me personally, okay? I, I found it more, more, more interesting for me or, or, or more helpful for my life for me to just study it a little bit more. Maybe I don't get to read the whole thing in one year, but, but the parts that I do study do have an impact. However, I know people that are doing it. My wife did it, and she's going to do it again this year. She loves it. She's able to keep up with it differently. But the adjustments that we make as we enter into this new year have to be direct, adjustments that are clear enough for our lives to, be, to keep up with it, you know? As you incorporate yourself into this body, into this church, I want you not only to seek the purpose, but also find the purpose and operate in that purpose. Not only for you as an individual, for the church as a whole. So I want you to ask yourself two questions. Who will we be and what will we be about? I can't think of a better way to launch this concept of all things new or a brand new start or this direct concept than looking at the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark is my favorite gospel personally. Not that it has to do anything with the sermon, what I like or don't like, but it is my favorite gospel. I like Mark because of my own character. It is the shortest gospel. It only has 16 chapters. Okay, Mark is precise and to the point. If you want to get the bite-sized, complete story, Mark is the gospel for you, according to me. Okay, according to me. Many scholars believe that Mark's gospel may have been the first to be written among the four gospels. Mark basically writes down Peter's recollection of Jesus' life and ministry. I love the way he starts because he starts by telling us the story. He's more or less telling us, I have the best news for you to listen to. And he says, let me start. I'll, I'll read to you Mark chapter 1 verse 1. He says, I, you know, he, he talks about this beginning of something. And, and this is why I find it so interesting because he kind of, Mark skips everything and jumps right into the three years of ministry for Jesus. Okay, and this is what Mark 1.1 says. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. If that's all we heard, we would say, man, tell me more. You got some good news for me. Lay it on me, man. I'm ready to receive it. Many of us are looking at this new year and saying, listen, if the beginning of the good news is coming, I can't wait to hear it. I love that. I love the buildup. The good news about Jesus, but instead of going into this extensive explanation of what that looks like, Mark jumps right into the three years of ministry of Jesus. It's the beginning of the good news. We all love to hear good news. In fact, I love sharing good news with you. The expression that I get from people's faces when I, have, when I say to you, I have got something to tell you, in a good way, right? You know? A lot of ways, we, we, we say when someone says, you want the good news or the bad news? Most of us will say, give me the bad news first, if you're like me. Because you want to finish with the good news. I personally just love sharing good news with people because you see an excitement in their faces. Now, we see these different gospels being laid out. You see, Matthew's was originally written primarily for the Jewish audience. And this is why he emphasizes the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies in it. 
Then you see John, who was geared towards the audience that was familiar with this Greek thought process. Mark was written primarily for Roman Gentile audience, non-Jewish. So he doesn't spend a lot of time explaining a lot of Jewish history in the gospel. Instead, he wrote in a way that would impact and reach the audience he was seeking to convert. You know, it, it provides this detailed account of Jesus where he went. It's a gospel of action and reaction that recalls the people's reaction to Jesus and demands we react to Jesus as well. I love it because a good example of it is Mark 16, 16. It's pretty straight to the point and personal. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And it ends there. There's no explanation, no ifs and buts about it. Through the next few weeks here in this church, we're going to be going through this gospel of Mark as we, as we just dive into all things new for this year. And, and we're going to look at some, not every single story, but we're going to be diving into some of those stories and how Mark explains it. And, and we're going to start today with just chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 2 to verse 8, which is one of the most impactful things because Mark introduces this gospel with this very unique concept. Let's read just as the prophet Isaiah had written, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the roads for him, the road for him. This message was this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached the, that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people in Jeru of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who's greater than I am. So much greater than I am, not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, the introduction here wants to tell us more. We read this and we say, please keep going. I want to hear more. They had no prophet in Israel for centuries. So John's ministry drew a lot of attention. Not only that, you pair this guy's potential with the gospel of Jesus, and you got yourself a revival. People were going to hear this guy and see what he was talking about. And today we know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the message that the entire world needs. It's what people long for. They may not know that's the truth that they need. They may not know that's the message that they require. But we know when we look at something evil and bad, we know that the message of Jesus Christ can change that forever. And that's what we stand on. And we as a church are being called as the launching pad of that message. That is not an optional concept of our faith. It's exactly part of our faith and how we should initiate our faith. You say, but I have nothing to bring, Moises. I got nothing to bring to the table. Did you know that changed lives are our church's greatest advertisement? When you say to somebody, you know what's the only part about your faith that is objective, that no one can take away from you? 
It is your experiences, your life, what you've experienced. See, someone can sit here and tell me, that Bible is not true. I don't believe in that God. I don't believe in this, but you can't take the objective truth of my life that he changed me, transformed me, made me new, gave me a new life. The experiences that I've had throughout my lifetime have been objective truth that are part of my life that no one will ever be able to take away. So we may pay a lot of advertisement as a church, but you are the greatest advertisement of this church. Your living testimony of your ups and downs with God, your victories and defeats are a church's greatest advertisement. See, unbelievers see pastors as professional salesmen. (laughs) Sadly, I never thought myself to be a car salesman, but... You know, they see us as professional salesmen, right? I'm the guy at home studying the word, doing all the homework, right? But you're a satisfied customer. (laughs) You're a satisfied customer. Your testimony matters. You know, I was always taught when I was in seminary school, it was taught to me, hey, whoever tells the the best story wins, Moises. It's not making up a story. It's telling your story. Let me tell you something. It matters what has happened to you may not be. I say this a hundred times. I, what, what has happened to you may not be the story for everyone, but it is the story for someone. It will impact one life, and that will be enough for the kingdom. I tell my stories because, because shame lives in secret, but it is killed in stories. You may laugh at me. You may say, oh, look at voices. He was telling the story about the one time when this and that happened. You're so funny, man. You kill me. Yeah, because shame lives in secret, but it's killed in stories. When you tell your story and you declare what has happened in your life and you recollect what God has done in your life, it brings glory to his name. It has the power to affect the next life. And you may not see an effect for it for your life at all other than being awkward that you just told your story. But God is using it to make an impact on the lives around you. So what should our approach be as a church in this new year and as people? You ever seen someone standing on the side of the road holding up a sign, spinning it? Dressed funny. Spinning it. Some are better than others. You know? They always catch your attention. And they're doing all kinds of creative things. I honestly don't know how some of these people do it. You know, but some of those guys are really good, okay? And they spin the sign, and they're trying to point you in a certain direction. These people can often look and feel ridiculous. I don't even know how much they get paid, but their main goal is to point people to a store instead of themselves. John the Baptist resembles this type of person in many ways. And in many ways, our message should be exactly that. It should be a message directed at everyone that points at him, not our lives. It's not about me. This pastor will let you down, friend. I hope not. I hope to do everything that I can to be good. But I should be directing you not towards me. I should be directing you towards him. And we should be doing the same thing for other people. See, the first two verses quote Isaiah 40. 
where John the Baptist was prophesied about. Mark goes on to describe this ministry of John in a way of life, which clearly is one of boldness and, and something that was different according to society. However, he used his different way of life to further point to Christ, just like some of us would see someone do on the side of the road as they point people to a, to a, to a store. You see the Liberty tax guy, right? That's who I picture. That guy with the, the, the super, like, large outfit out there. It's hanging. He's got the earbuds on, and he's got, you know, whatever music he's listening to. And the, the, the beauty of studying John the Baptist in this concept is that it, it, in his life and role, it's not only because it points us to Jesus, but it also provides us as believers an example of how we should live our lives. See, we see John here, he, he has fully committed himself to the mission of directing the world's attention to the Messiah that's coming. He was also commissioned to lead others to Christ. Not only is he fully committed, he is submitted humbly to that calling. Say, no matter what I look like, no matter what I eat, what it appears to be to others, I'm going to be committed to what God has called me and I'm going to do it humbly. The calling of God in his life, and, and, and we, we, we have been humbled, we have this grace that all of us, when we look at the life of John, we could really find ways in our lives to replicate that same character because a lot of us have been through the same process. If we pair up humility with a little bit of commitment, we would be able to do a ton of work for God. Think of that. If you just add it to your life as a seasoning, a little bit of commitment and a little bit of humility, think of the amount of things you could accomplish in your life. And this was all John the Baptist was doing. You know? God has chosen and planned John's life before he was even born. And the proof of this is that he's done the same thing for you and me. Many of us walk around this world not believing that. We believe that we have no space in this world for God to use us or for us to be impactful. In fact, when we think of 2024 and the new year and what we're going to accomplish, we think, we think internally. It's hard for us to see outside of that. We don't say to ourselves, hmm, I wonder how I'm going to be for other people. What I'm going to do to be more impactful in my ministry to others. No, we just say, this is what Boises is going to do. This is how many more times I'm going to go to the gym. This is how much weight I'm going to lose. This is how much better I'm going to be. This is how much better I'm going to look. And that may be true. But there's got to come a point where you realize that your call in this life goes way beyond yourself. As we look at the example of John the Baptist today, I hope that we may be encouraged and inspired to live boldly for Christ and point others to Him in all that we do because it is truly an honor and a privilege that we can do so. There are countries around the world that would love to have the opportunity that we have. And here we are. We must understand that in the church, that the church is a perfect plan set forth by God in order for him to accomplish his will in people. From the book of Acts, 
as well as from the other passages in the New Testament, we gain complete insight into the characteristics of what the New Testament church was like. We see it. These churches didn't have buildings, offices, phone numbers, staff, logos, websites, coffee in the morning, haze machines, lights, the sermon series. It was just a group of people excited about Jesus, bursting of joy from an experience they've had had with God and wanting to tell that to everyone else. Many of us will read this and actually say, if a church doesn't have those things in it, I'm not going to it. It's not for me and my family. It doesn't really fit our style. I'm looking for a church that really fits what we're about here as a family. And, and, and guys, can we just can agree for a little bit that, that, that we probably have missed the mark a little. Not, not that we necessarily have taken it too far, but, 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 but we, and I've told you this before, I, I, I'm not a fan of, of looking at churches from a consumer standpoint. I'm, I'm, I'm contributing all the way. When I walk into a church body, my first goal is to think, how can I contribute to this body? I know my family's going to eat here. I know we're going to benefit from this body, okay? But how can I personally contribute to it? It's a consumer's mindset versus a contributor's mindset. What's in it for me and for my family? No, no, no. What can I bring to this body? What can me and my family contribute to this body? Because, I mean, it's okay to get filled. But, man, at what point? Do we say, okay, it's time for me to go forward. John, in verse 17, he says, someone is coming soon who, who is greater than I am. So much greater than I am that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. It's not about me, is John. John is saying. It's about the one that's coming. It's going to have very little to do with me. He was delivering a message that was so much greater than himself. Not a message that revolved around him, but one that went beyond him. We have got too caught up in the church idea in our lives. Especially here in the States, guys. Christopher Wright said, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for the church in the world, but that he has a church for his mission in the world. It doesn't revolve around the church. The church becomes a useful tool to do the mission that God has called us all to do. Our goal as a church should be to ask ourselves, how, how are we fit and equipped to accomplish the mission set forth by God? Do we fit? Are we capable? Even if we can't see it. You know that vision isn't the ability to see the opportunities within your current circumstances. We don't have to wait. This is not circumstantial, okay? It's not when things change around us, we're going to be better. It's not we step in when things change around us. No. It's the vision. Vision is the ability to see within your current circumstances. It's seeing your life as it is right now and saying, what can I do to accomplish what God has called me personally to do? Who are we as a church today and what do we hope to become this new year? 
Let me tell you what I know we are. What I know we are today as a church is that we are a group of unique individuals. Look at that person next to you and say, you're unique. Man, so unique. So, 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 so unique. Very unique. (laughs) But with a common purpose. And that's to tell others about the life-changing message of Jesus. Our desire is that we will build a caring community in this place that will be known for its desires to love God and other people. A group of authentic people that share common faith, raising families that will be instrumental in the development of his kingdom in this area. Knowing that we're not the last church, we're not the first church that come to this area, but we know that we have been called to do a ministry in this community that will impact the kingdom. That's what I know we are. That's what I, that's what I know we're doing. A sort of upside down kingdom mentality, which is represented by presence, divine presence from God, where we lose to gain and die to live. That is who we are. That is what we bring to the table. And and, and my heart, you know, you asked me, what, what do you hope that we become this year as a church? We know that all of us individually ha- have our own goals in mind and, and spiritual ones and factual ones as, as we've been talking about. But I want us, and I, I talked a little bit about this in our Christmas Eve services, I want this church to be both a hospital and a command center. A place where those who are hurting will receive healing and comfort and a launching pad to conquer and transform this community as we, as we go outside the four walls of the church to reach other people. I, I want us to be a hospital and a command center in this community. And we know, we know that Christ-likeness is our eventual destination, but we also know that our journey as people will last an entire lifetime, Okay? And because of this, we believe that this journey will be most effective when we prioritize these three criterias in our mission, in our ministry. We're going to be believing, which will be expressed through our worship and our gathering. We're going to be belong, we're going to belong with belonging, expressed through our fellowship and community. And we're going to become expressed through our discipleship and mission and how we respond to that. We will stand firm on the words of Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, which it says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. Because too often churches in America, we believe the doctrines of the cross and we can explain the concept of justification and reconciliation, but we don't grasp the implications of these truths. Yes, the cross sets us free, but it is also calling us to devote every ounce of our lives to the one who bought our freedom. You are not your own. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says you do not belong to yourself. You were purchased at a very high price. So you must honor God with your body, with your life. Jesus can't just be the Sunday civic 
club president or a social gathering of some sort where we come together and just get our hit and go home. Because the purpose of our lives is not dependent on, the, on having one more possession or, or one more promotion or, or, or one more pleasure or losing a few more pounds in our lives. That's how I'm going to be fulfilled this year. No, our purpose comes from knowing that our lives really count in God's kingdom. That what you do, every step that you take will make an impact in this kingdom. That what God has purposely called you and your family to do will have an impact that will last your life, that will go beyond your lifetime, that will go way further. It's not just one more song we're going to sing. It's not just one more testimony we're going to share. No, it's a life-changing impact that you're making as a unique individual of God called by God for this very same purpose. That's what I want us to live by. Listen, the church cannot be made of consumers because eventually it will disappear. It goes against, completely against the creative process of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Picture this for a second. If I sat there and we waited, because we all want to consume. Who, who wants to stay here for an hour? You ready? Let's just hang here. Let's consume. Let's just consume all things new. <laughs> Don't ask me why we, why we, you know, it's the winter and we're at the beach and stuff. But um, <laughs> that's for another day. Um, we we understand that if we all had this consumer mindset, the church will eventually disappear. And I've shared that illustration before. But I want us to understand that you, what you do, what you decide to do in 2024 will impact your life personally and the church and the ministry that God has personally called you to. Man, God did not forget about you. It's not like God is sitting up in heaven saying, oh, Moises, sorry, man, I've been thinking about other things. Here you go. No, he's constantly, actively operating in a plan for your life behind the scenes. You know, the only problem to that equation is that we don't believe it. That we truly believe that there's a God up in heaven that has completely forgot about us. And in the process, we lack faith. We should be the brightest light in this community that this community has ever seen. Your neighbor should see something about you that is different. Something that you carry around that is completely different. Could it be possible that in 2024, GLC represents this light in this community. This beacon of hope that others are able to be changed and see. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. The problem is, do we believe that? Do we truly understand what that means? Do we realize that there's a light within us that no darkness can quench? So Jesus would climb to the top of this ridge in Nazareth, and it was dark. And, and, and with no more modern lights, darkness would, would actually flood the area. But across the fields sat this large hilltop city named Sephoris. The governmental city of Galilee. Some call this city the ornament of all Galilee. Okay? It was only a few miles from Nazareth. 
And it, it, the, the fire lamps and torches lit up the streets, theaters, homes, and city squares. No one could put out this light. Our world is dark. Seven days into the new year, our world is dark. But that should cause our light to travel even further. It's a huge opportunity for us as the church. We who are Christ followers know the truth about life, death, heaven, hell, hope, joy, and most importantly, Jesus. That light has to travel, friends. It has to travel. Psalms 34, 5 says that those who look to the Lord are radiant. Peter says that we have been called from darkness into his marvelous light. As a church and its people in 2024, we have to, we must turn on the light switch and open the windows. Okay? It's not just a personal light we use for ourselves. It's a light that others should see. It's a light that others should be impacted by. It's a life-changing light that others should receive. How do we do it? Listen, smile a little more. Be joyful. I mean, provoke the question. What is wrong with you? Man, God lives within me. Okay, <laughs> talk to you later, bro. But seriously, be more joyful. Let others see your hope. The Bible says to be ready to answer about the hope that lives within us at any point. Be joyful. Tell others about the life-changing work of God in your life. Or did nothing take place in your life? Or is the story bland and dark? Is there nothing to tell? Is there a story that's missing a piece that you just haven't been able to put together yet, so you sit in darkness today. You are the light of the world, and the church is the city on the hill. We can't shy away from projecting that light. You know, I, I used to practice this thing. And I hope to do it with my son. It, they said that, they would tell me, what do you do in youth ministry? That's so impactful. Parents will come up to me like, how do you get these teenagers? You know, back in the day when I was younger, okay, and I was doing youth ministry. How do you get these teenagers to be so focused on what you're saying? And I said, man, I, I, I probably wasn't the brightest light in the room, but I would hold my light so close to them that it would be the brightest light they would see. And I would pray that it would have an impact on their life. My light sometimes was a little dull. I was struggling. There were times in my life where things weren't perfect. But I would grab whatever little light I had. And I would hold it so close to the face. Hoping that it would be the brightest light they would ever see. I hope to repeat the same thing with my son. In my down days, I'm going to hold that light to his face. I'm going to do the same thing for this congregation. In my low days, I'm going to hold my light as close as I can to you in hopes that you would see some glimpse of hope and joy and light that will be impactful and change your life forever. 
You may be sitting today and you may not be the brightest light in the room, but if you hold it close enough to the people that God has put in place around you, it will be maybe the brightest light they have ever seen. Don't downplay your story. Don't downplay your purpose. Don't downplay your life. You could be impactful in the kingdom today. It's not for personal benefit. It's not when is my next blessing coming up. It is how can I purposely impact this world for what matters most. There are needs in this world and a church will never grow beyond its capacity to meet those needs. A church isn't really measured by the seating capacity that they have on the, in the room. It is measured by their sending capacity, by their ability to spread beyond the four walls and make an impact on the world around them. Mark introduces this gospel to us by telling us that the beginning of the good news started with a man who didn't care where he looked like, what he ate, where he was. He knew he had a purpose and he wanted to project that life-changing message that transformed him to everyone he encountered. That's what Mark is telling us to the point. I have the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And this guy here is going to tell you. And then... John the Baptist comes in. Can I get a tissue? I know he's driving everybody insane. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Listen, if you're here for the first time, I like to cry a lot. Pray for me in the new year. It's one of my resolutions that I don't cry as much. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Mark introduces this gospel to us by telling us that the beginning of the good news starts with the man willing to tell everyone about it. No matter what his current circumstances were. A guy sitting right where he was, willing to say, all right, here's my light. I pray to God that is bright enough for you. And he changed lives. And literally single-handedly, with the good news of Jesus and a willing, humble commitment to God, started a revival. And people from all over the place were coming to hear what he had to say. That could be us this year. That could be us this year. Personally, as a church, we will impact this community with our light. Your story doesn't need an upgrade. It's good as it is. Whatever your story is, we'll take it. You are a satisfied customer here in this church. And I'm telling you, others need to hear your life-changing story. Amen? Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us as a church to come together on this Sunday morning and worship you, God. We know that your presence is in this place and we are encouraged by it. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. If you, if you weren't here, we wouldn't want to be here ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would ignite within inside all of us a priority to seek you and put you first. To commit to your call and what you would have us do in this community. I pray for every single family unit represented in this room that you would bless them in 2024. That as we launch into this new year that you would be with us, Lord, like never before. We know that you're always there, God. Help us. Help us to understand the concept of hope and joy and how we can be impactful now, not tomorrow, not when things take place, but now, God. Give us the strength, the wisdom, Lord, the courage, the boldness. 
to bring forth the good news that everyone needs to hear. Not for our own personal gains, not for our own personal glory, but because you have called us to do this on your behalf, God. We owe you a ton, God. You purchased us and we're thankful for the fact that you died for us, that you gave us the opportunity of accessing grace and mercy and forgiveness and peace, Lord. Lord, help us to recenter our expectations for this year so that they would be aligned according to your will in everything that we do, Lord, that we may be the brightest light anyone has ever seen, Lord, not just today, not just this week, but throughout our entire lifetime. Thank you, God, for being so good and for giving us the opportunity to be here today. We pray this in your name. Amen.